Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Not That Kind of Rabbi. And uh, to be clear for the, I think, 71st time, I'm not actually a rabbi. I am an ordained spiritual director, and I provide spiritual counseling to clients individually. And I do workshops. I have one coming up, by the way, uh, January 9th, a virtual retreat, one-day retreat. January 9th is a Sunday. And uh, we'll spend the day together uh, talking about aging to saging. How do we move ourselves from just being considered old to old and improved, to having a spiritual life and a renewal of purpose as we go into the autumn of our lives and what we can do with that. So it's kind of a, a little toolkit for us to, uh, to think about and to do together. Uh, these are usually very enjoyable experiences for people. I, I certainly hope it would be for you. If you want details, go to my website, uh, ralphbenmergi.ca. And if you see my name there, you'll see how you spell it, ralphbenmergi.ca. And uh, as well, while you're there, you might want to take a look. I've got a book out. It's called I Thought He Was Dead. And it is a spiritual memoir. It's available Amazon. It's available on Indigo. It's available through your local bookstore if you want to order it. I thought he was dead. So anything you want to know about what I'm up to these days, including my other podcast for Canadian Jewish News called Yehopitzville, uh, let me know. Just go to ralphbenmergi.ca and any feedback is more than welcome uh, in that arena, shall we call it. Well, you know, my dad, when I'd be watching TV with my dad, and, and this is in the 1960s, and mostly in the early 70s, and he just watched TV and then every once in a while he'd point at the TV and he'd go, he's Jewish. Or he'd point at the team and go, she's Jewish. I did stop him finally when he pointed at Dan Rather, the CBS news anchor, and said, he's Jewish. I said, dad, he's not Jewish. Said, no, no, he's Jewish. I said, dad, he's, he's a Texan. He's a Methodist. He's not Jewish. So we had to stop it there. But I also have a friend of mine, a media friend. And when we're watching a baseball game together, which we like to do once in a while, we, uh, we start with any of the Jewish players on the field. He's Jewish. And then eventually they start to show audience shots. <laughs> we try to figure out who's Jewish in the audience. Now, this just seems to be a reflex, a Jewish reflex of trying to identify fellow tribes people uh, in our way. I, I, I'm sure other people do it in other cultures as well. One thing I do worry about with that kind of thing is this exceptionalism, this idea that by showing this person's Jewish or that person's Jewish, that we're really saying, look how special we are. There's a, a trope that's common in Jewish culture of how many uh, Nobel laureates are Jewish uh, per capita uh, compared to others. And I, I, I have to say, I'm totally not into that. Uh, it's really an insidious way of saying we're better. And we are not better. No one is better. We are in this together, and that's the thing that I truly believe in. But on the other hand, I do always enjoy when I figure out that somebody uh, whose work I've listened to or admired uh, is Jewish because I just like it. It's nice. You know, could be any, could have been a Mormon, but in this case, it happens to be Jewish. Well, I've got a guest today. He is the founding partner of TCG Public Relations, and uh, he's been doing that for a very long time. But he got it into his head that he wanted to do something different. He wanted to identify in our Canadian culture uh, Jews who had, uh, I don't know, gone under the radar. And that's the name of his book, Under the Radar. He joins me right now, David Eisenstadt. Hi, David. How are you? 
Hello, Ralph. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Uh, I, I couldn't help but smile at your intro because, and as I was listening to it, because that's exactly where this all sort of started, if you will. Mm. And I guess, in fact, it started because of the um, COVID scenario that sort of uh, allowed me to start a new hobby, and that was going back to my journalism roots. So tell me, what is it that you wanted to do when you started this project? Well, well, it, it really, uh, it really, uh, the genesis of it um, is in fact tied. And you mentioned the Canadian Jewish News or whatever. It, I know it's it's called something different these days. But uh, um, after after that organization failed, I guess for the second time, and it was very disappointing. Uh, a number of of individuals, actually a cousin, uh, Bernie Farber, uh, reached out to me and said, um, um, like to. Find a way to uh, create a bridge to keep Jewish community news coming uh, as a result of, of, of what's happened um, to the Canadian Jewish news. And, and he started up a, a newsletter with a, a few guys, and uh, he said he was, he reached out to me and, and a few others um, and, and wanted to know if I'd be interested in, in writing. And I said, well, you know, I. I've been a behind-the-scenes kind of guy for for years, and whether it's crisis management or launching new products or or speech writing or what have you, um, you know, I've never been the visible guy, and and that's been by design, if you will. Uh, so he said, "Well, think about it," and I said, "I will." My late father always used to say, um, "You know, even if you know the answer right away, sleep on it. Tell whomever you're speaking with, you know, you're going to sleep on it." I knew the answer in my head. But I, I, uh, I let a day go by and I came back and said, you know, you have a lot of terrific people writing about important Jewish issues. Uh, but one thing seems to be missing. And, you know, there's not enough, in my view, arts and entertainment. And, and I have an idea. Uh, there are tons of Jewish musicians um, whose stories need to be told. Uh, many are still alive. Many have passed on. And um, that's really where it started. So, so, so I would so I would pop out 750 words every week on different musicians. Now, there's high profile and not as high profile. So, Indeed. so I think of uh, Mo Kaufman, uh, you know, the great jazz flautist and sax player, and I just think, okay, he was Jewish uh, and things. Well, he's like in that. the book. Yeah, he's in the book. exactly. But there's other people who people maybe don't really know, and I just happen to know because I know people in that part of the business, guys like uh, in the music business, Eddie Schwartz. So why don't you tell me what made you decide who who's in and who's out? Well, um, one, one of the, um, one of the drivers, I guess, for me was the notion of if I could create, um, I didn't know that as a reaction, I would consider my effort worthwhile, clearly labor of love, there was no payment uh, for the work. Uh, there was, you know, it was strictly um, my choice. And, and um, the, the reality is, as I started to write, uh, many readers, some readers, um, would offer suggestions. Uh, my, uh, our family physician happens to be Eddie Schwartz's cousin. He said, hey, David. How about taking a look at my cousin? Um, and I find, you know, he 
splits his time between Nashville and, and the Muskokas. Uh, and, 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 oh, my God, Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. OMG. Wow. Wow. And so, so that's how an Eddie Schwartz happened. Uh, the Mo Kaufman one was, uh, I guess, became my, was really my first column. A, I, I do love jazz. Uh, I do enjoy jazz. Um, I have a late uncle who I've also profiled in the book. We never really had a story on my, my late uncle, Mo, Morris Eisenstadt, who was a contemporary Mo Kaufman. And um, uh, the, the reality of all that was, wow, I'm going to start with a blockbuster who to many might well be under the radar. And, and I found um, getting comments and responses, even with a Mo Kaufman, like, really? Hmm. You know, he did that? He, he was like a booking agent too? Um, he did more than just swing and shepherd blues. And so that, that I didn't know factor mm. kept coming up. Um, the book, the book starts, it's really an A to Z. Uh, it starts with a wonderful, uh, Svartic, uh, cantor by the name of, uh, Salomon Amzalag, who, um, was known as the Moroccan Charles Aznavour. And, um, he wound up at the Spanish and Portuguese synagogue in Montreal. Right. Well revered, well revered. At the, the, so he's the A, uh, although Louis Applebaum is next, and, and he's a whole Stratford Festival guy and marvelous, marvelous, marvelous uh, creator. Uh, but at the back end, it's Zalyanovsky in a love and spoonful. He's my Z. And, um, you know, the fact that Zalyanovsky uh, quit the band and ran into all kinds of uh, substance issue, substance issue problems, left the United States, came to Kingston, opened a restaurant curiously called Shea Piggy. <laughs> His uh, daughter runs that restaurant today. Really? Yeah. yeah. You see, I didn't know that. I did not. I got that. Ralph Benberg Murphy <laughs> to say, I didn't know that without saying I didn't know that. I know. It's funny because I knew Zal Yanoski had started a restaurant in Kingston after everything else, but I didn't know it was still going and that his daughter was doing it. That's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I had reached out to her when I was doing some research and she was quite helpful in giving me some background stuff. What else did you find while you were rooting around in, in the Jewish cellar? Well, well, again, the, the, the mandate in my mind was Canadian, Jewish, not necessarily Canadian born, most genres, most genders, alive or dead. So that, that, was, my, that was my platform. That was my platform. So I knew right away I wasn't writing about Drake with all due respect. Mm-hmm. I wanted to write about Robbie Robertson, but every time I turned on the TV, you know, there was, you know, the band, the band documentary was on again. And it didn't right. matter what channel it was. So I thought, you know what? You're, you're above my radar right now. But I'd like to get to Robbie Robertson because I have terrific admiration for the group and, and for him and, and so on. Um, everybody wants me to write about Getty Lee. I love Rush, but it's not happening. It's not happening. In my mind's eye, and it's my view, he's way above the radar. And may he be above the radar forever. Right. But, there wasn't going to be. There wasn't going to be a wow. I didn't know that about Getty Lee the way it would be about other people. Well, well, uh, a colleague, uh, Danny Marks. Danny, yeah, Marks, sure, Danny. Wonder, wonderful broadcaster. He's in the book. Uh, Danny, Danny was very forthcoming with with uh, information, and you know he was a rocker at nineteen and sort of out the door at twenty one. I mean that with Edward Bear, 
and 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 he evolved into this this bright wonderful i mean he was always already but uh, this this jazz blues kind of stuff just just resonated so you know i found him an interesting guy and it's kind of like and his whole connection and how he got into broadcasting kind of similar stuff with um uh how did he get into broadcasting well it he um he managed um to connect with Arthur Black, the basic Black CBC, Ralph Ben Mergie's going. I didn't know that up here. He didn't say it. But you're, you're <laughs> no, no, because I now no, I actually now remember that Danny used. Well, to you do may remember you were as a CBC the, guy, the sing-along sort of thing. With yeah. Arthur. So yeah. so again again and 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 people all sorts of people would would send and continue to send uh, recommendations. Um, I mean, I'm looking today uh, for a column on Mendelssohn Joe. Right, uh, you know, wonderful guy, and the connect there came through Ben Mink, who was right. Katie Lang's, um, you know, constant craving partner in so much of of the work that that she did. So again, um, uh, an email, a phone call, uh, a tip. Um, I have I have a long, long list of of um, of artists. Uh, just did a piece on Boris Brat. Well, you know, will there be a second book? If this one goes well, you know he he's a, he's a natural for that. Let uh, me let me ask you something. Being Jewish, all these people being Jewish, did did they? Is there anything discernibly Jewish about what they contributed to pop culture, or is it just that they were in pop culture and happened to be Jewish? Well, you know, I guess when I when I was um, doing research on Erica Goodman, a most wonderful harpist. And I seem to recall she was ranked number 50 in the world. And I thought about it for a while and thought, my goodness, I don't know. And this is, I'm trying to answer your question. Mm. I don't know any parent. I don't remember any parent who urged their kid to take harp lessons. Accordion, maybe. Well, accordion. accordion. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe with Polish roots. Yeah, exactly. Not sure. Not sure (laughs) on the other side of the uh, the the uh, the ethnic agenda or ledger, but but um, you know the the notion of of that kind of um, that kind of instrument. Again, everyone took lessons as a kid, and mostly violin and mostly piano. Right. So again, the the Erica Goodman experience um, was um, uh, was curious to me. Uh, Suzanne Schulman uh, is a wonderful flautist, uh, uh, lives in Hamilton, um, and and she um, wanted to play the tuba as a kid, but she had asthmatic issues, and so gravitated from this mammoth instrument to this smaller instrument and she carved and has carved and continues to carve a wonderful career for herself but again so the jewish connect seems to gravitate to music and and so many have excelled i mean i took piano lessons as a kid didn't keep it up and i'm sure we both know lots of people who took music lessons and weren't either good at it or you know, would rather play baseball or hockey. But is there such a thing as an identifiable Jewishness to what these people contribute? Or were they just, or would you never have known if you didn't know? Well, I've tried to ask the question 
what what was your what is it about Judaism that that made you want to do what you do? And and inevitably there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, connectivity to our our roots as Jews, and and inevitably it's it's music and Judaism kind of go together. Hmm. They kind of go together in in almost in almost every case. In almost every case, I mean, my my uncle Morris Eisenstadt, the I mentioned a contemporary mm-hmm. of Mo, Mo Kaufman. Uh, he he um, um, grew up. I our family is from Calgary. Um, my my Zeta was a cowboy. My uh, my dad was born there. Um, I grew up there. My uncle Mo, um, his first gig was at a community hall a couple of blocks away from where they lived in in what was essentially an Italian and German neighborhood in Calgary. And um, my, my late father, I remember telling me how proud he was of his brother who came home, you know, after playing with a band and he made $15 years and years and years ago. So it was ingrained. He wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and my grandparents on my father's side were not particularly religious. They were traditional Jews, right. you know, and observed everything, but they were not... Uh, they were they were more free free thinkers. They they founded uh, Myzeta was a, an early founder of the Hiel Parrots uh, Institute. We called it the Institute because it was in Calgary back uh, back in the day. Right. So tell me about more of the people that you ended up writing about. Tell us tell us a few of their stories. Well, well it, there's, there's there's really there's really a wonderful you know collection of of of, of individuals. Corey Hart, yeah, Montre- a Montrealer. Um, he's been up and down and under and over the radar over the years. And, and for various reasons, um, he lives in the Bahamas now and, um, and he's just kind of doing his own thing. See, I never even knew uh, before the book, I didn't even know he was Jewish. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had somebody say to me the other day, I guess, who bought the book on Amazon. That's my shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, said, um, oh, goodness, it was it was a comment. Oh, it was about uh, Mark Jordan. Oh, he yeah. Said, he said, I knew he's Jewish, but he's Canadian. <laughs> so, it, it, again, the Ralph, the, yeah. I didn't know that stuff comes up in so many different different ways yeah yeah yeah. um you know other other people in other people in the book goodness uh, uh let me think about uh oh oh wow uh jerry gray and the travelers um uh, in my career as a public relations consultant i i um i uh wound up um uh, working at ibm for some time and subsequently went to work for a guy called jerry goodis Right. Who ran in the seventies what we would call the Jewish madmen ad agency. I'm telling you, it was it was madmen, but most of the people in the agency were Jewish. Uh, and Jerry Goodis co-founded the Travelers at Camp Nivelt with Jerry Gray, which was a labor Zionist camp, right? Absolutely, yeah. exactly. And 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 the whole connection to Pete Seeger. Who came to that camp during the the blacklist times, you know, with Lee Hayes and and uh, and Pete Seeger basically said to Jerry Gray, "Take the song and make it yours. This land is, is your, your land." land. And, and there's a wonderful there's a wonderful video clip of Jerry Gray leading in Toronto the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, 
and he's wearing a tux. I don't know how many times in his life he wore a tux because he was always open shirt and banjo. But right. he's he's doing this and doing this and just having the time of his life. So you know, again, s- stories stories like that. Um, a cousin, uh, a second cousin in Calgary, uh, sent me a note about a, a young man whose name is Dave Cohen. Dave Cohen is a heavy duty country music producer in Nashville. I'm sure Eddie Schwartz knows him. I didn't, I didn't check, but I'm, you know, it's a community. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden what happened was this, this guy was a guitarist uh, in a high school band with our second cousin's son. Um, he came to Toronto, took the Humbert college jazz program, hated jazz and, and, and started to, to work rock gigs with, with various artists all under the radar. And uh, one day realized there wasn't enough money to put uh, bread and milk on the table. So he picked up, moved to Nashville. And you know, there's another one in Nashville who I went to school with, uh, who used to be part of a band called Prairie Oyster. And his name is Alan Cates. And Alan ended up moving down to Nashville. And I thought he played, he played pedal steel guitar. And wow. I thought not a lot of Jews play pedal steel guitar. Okay. So, so it was pretty cool. So, well, you know, well, yeah, again, that again, that, that whole connection, that national connection, I mean, Mark Jordan and Amy Sky, she's also in the book. I, I figured I started to write about her and I thought, do I do this as a duo? No, they, they, they each have their own thing and each deserve whatever I can write. And let, let me be clear, Ralph, the book is not music critique. Right. I've written it from a historic perspective. I don't think I'm competent enough to to polack somebody, which is not my style anyway. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I just did a piece on Stephen Page and I had somebody send me a note saying, you know, you were really pretty gentle about not not going into all the difficulty he had, right. which which led, uh, uh, among other things, to his breakup with the Bare Naked Ladies. And I responded back and said, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not writing puff pieces, but I'm also not writing uh, negative stuff. I, I want to try to cobble enough history with dates and times. And where I can, I'm going to mention, uh, you know, Ralph Ben Murgy is the son of uh, so-and-so and so-and-so and was born on such and such a date. Trying to, you know, at least have um, um, uh, a focus on, on their lives as people. And, and, and kind of weave the story rather than the inverted pyramid journalism story. This is one that starts off in the beginning right, right, and it right. leads you to, you know, and we all lived happily ever after. So Amy Sky, who uh, I grew up with her, her and her family, uh, the Shiners, uh, yes, Amy, the Amy Shiner, and yeah. her, her dad's company was uh, Shinerizing. They were the they, they, they red trucks with Shinerizing on the side yeah. of it. Yeah. And then Amy took her mother's maiden name and became Amy Sky. Right. And yeah. I remember interviewing Mark Jordan when he was in L.A. after he'd had his first big hit with uh, living in Marina Del Rey. Yeah. And I said, uh, hey, I heard you've met uh, somebody I know. And he goes, oh, who's that? And I said, uh, Amy, Amy Shiner. And he goes, yeah, oh. Yeah, well, did, we're going out, you know. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great. And you and said, it, and you said, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was wonderful. Um, so Mark Mark Jordan, of course, has written some of the biggest songs uh, like for people like Rod Stewart. He's yep. still writing hits for people. It's yep. fantastic. Um, who who 
would you like to have that you didn't get so far? Well, well, again, it's it's a question of um, every every day, um, and and this this is a hobby for me. I'm, we're still trying to run a business, even in these crazy crazy uh, health yeah. issue times. Um, you know, I, I keep um, I keep getting. I, I don't. If, if I sorry, let me go back. If there's somebody I really want to write about, it's Robbie Robertson. But but that's that. That's, so you know, tell, tell people tell people the why Robbie Robertson because people don't see him as Jewish. Tell tell, tell us what, where's the Jewish part of Robbie Robertson? Well, well, the connection is that um, his uh, father was Jewish, and his mother was an indigenous person. Right. And um, and I, I he he never he never kind of broadcasted that he was either at least it, it, to to my mind's eye he was just another guy on the bandstand and and yes he was different from Levon Helm and he was different from the other guys in the band but but it was his musicianship that just sort of that just knocks me out yeah and, i mean i interviewed him years ago and he was really he he wanted to talk a lot about the six nations roots and, right. and his indigenous roots, but he didn't say anything about being Jewish at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, again, if I'm looking to, for that kicker of, I didn't know that. Right. I think that that's kind of the driver with, with, with all sorts of people. And as I say, every, every Monday and Wednesday, I get, why not Getty Lee? Why not Getty Lee? Well, right, it's kind of like, right. you know, and, and, or, and, and people go Drake, we didn't know he's Jewish, but it's still, you know, the issue of under the radar um, was kind of my choice. And, and I, I guess I find as part of lifelong learning, I'm learning stuff. And, and, and that's, that's really kind of important for me too. Um, and even going back not to belabor my, my, my late uncle, but, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of family history on him. Uh, one of the things he had told me of, of his uh, relationship with Mo Kaufman was that as the world of commercials and jingles were starting to happen back in the day, Mo Kaufman, very much the entrepreneur and, and a visionary in that regard said, Mo, the dough is in commercials and jingles. That's where stuff's headed. My uncle preferred to compose classical music that uh, with, with back again, back in the day, titles like the Indian dance and the Eskimo dance. And well, it's, yeah. it's wonderful music, but you know, no market, no market. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I started to try to find out stuff about him, even our family records, it was a struggle and the Canadian encyclopedia did, you know, had a couple of lines. Right. And I reached out to the, the Calgary musicians association that, you know, he was a lifelong member. He was a longstanding member of the O'Keefe center orchestra under Bill McCauley. Um, at age 62, and this, this opened up a bunch of eyes in our family, um, when, when Bill McCauley had developed Parkinson's and it was decided that his tenure as, as the, the conductor of the old O'Keefe Center Orchestra would come to an end, uh, a new person came in whose name I don't remember. After the, the usual three months checking stuff out, he started lopping, lopping musicians from the orchestra. And he said to my uncle, no. Um, who was a clarinetist and a saxophonist? He also who also taught at the conservatory for years. This sort of that was his pin money job. Um, he basically said, "Mo, um, you want to keep your chair? You're going to have to learn to play the flute." 
my uncle at 62 had to learn to play his job and he passed away three years later and goodness knows how much stress he had he had health issues anyway but i i can't imagine how much stress learning an instrument yeah yeah yeah. that's so what what does being jewish mean to you i guess um we're we're traditional reformed jews um being being Jewish is um, is my identity. Um, somebody was saying to me the other day, um, uh, "How much anti-Semitism have you have you encountered in your life?" And I said, "Luckily, not a lot, not a lot. I, I could probably, you know, pick half a dozen experiences, and it's and that would be the not because my memory is failing. It's because that's probably all that happened. Uh, but but but." You know, um, I said to this person, the, the, the question was, have you ever lost an account because you were Jewish? I said, I don't believe so. And I don't believe I'm naive. Um, I don't hide, you know, I don't hide who I am or what I am. But um, I'm happy in my space as, as a Jew and as a Canadian. So that's kind of situating yourself in the Jewish map. But what does it mean to you? What Where's the... Uh, would it have mattered if you'd grown up a Mormon? I mean, what what is it about being Jewish that matters to you? Well, I, I guess I, I guess it it goes back to family and history and tradition. Um, I, I remember having a discussion with my late dad about um, Jews who shorten their names, and I said, you know, um, Eisenstadt, I'm proud of that name. Although I must tell you. Many times people say to me, oh, are you German? And I respond in, in, in less than a heartbeat, no, I'm Jewish. I don't right. sort of dance around. And then they, and if, if the conversation sometimes goes, well, it's an interesting name, I, I throw them a little bit of history and say, well, you know, Eisenstadt is the second largest city in Austria. Hmm. And they go, I didn't know that. <laughs> you love I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> You can't well, get enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a fun thing. I didn't know well, that's a fun thing. It's, you know, uh, these days with Google, you know, people don't know something <laughs> for 14 seconds and then they Google it and they know it. So yeah, yeah. lost yeah, a yeah, bit well, of discovery there. Well, well, they're, they're, you know, I guess seeing other people, you know, I guess that that really is, that's the, the payback. It's kind of, I've had people say to me, um, you are doing a wonderful thing for the Jewish community. And having, having, you know, put this compilation together and continuing to write for uh, CJN online, right. uh, you know, um, I, I'm doing it there because uh, I, I had actually reached out to the CJN uh, back when, when Bernie's publication um, ceased, it was basically a nine month bridge right. um, all with always the hope that, that something of the old Canadian Jewish news would come back. And I had reached out to the editor and said, I, I'd love to do this. It was kind of like, there you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But it never happened. Any, anybody else you want to tell us about that's in the book that you like? Uh... Um, you know, there, I, I guess there's a real, a real potpourri of, uh, of artists. Um, uh, again, back to my, my mandate of Canadian Jewish, most uh, all genres are open and try to write about most genders. Um, Could you get off for a horn, right? You got 
Well, I sure did. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and Offer Horner lives in St. John's, Newfoundland with her second husband, uh, a, a, a longtime uh, love and boyfriend and a wonderful musician by the name of Mike Harriet, not Jewish, but she's right. in St. John's. And, and back to people going, really? She slipped off the radar. What happened? Well, uh, there were some, some, some issues, uh, including uh, her mom's health, and she took time off to be with her mom, to kind of help her, not unlike Amy Sky, sort of similar, similar connectivity to family and, and, and to what, what's more important. And she, I guess, Afra Harnay put her uh, music to a side for a time and is, is, will, will, she'll be back up on, over the radar, I'm sure, with, with new releases, which I know she's working on now. You see, I did not know that she'd gone to St. John's. So yet again, you have, I did not know that. Well, well you know, <laughs> again, you know, so, so that, that, you know, without sounding corny, you know, that kind of makes me happy, makes me happy as a person, makes me happy as a writer. Um, Michael Posner, who I know, you know, and I know you've had on, on, uh, on this, this podcast, a longtime friend, um, sent me a note early on and said, welcome back to the world of journalism. And I thought about that for a bit and said, I never really left. Um, as a PR consultant, um, you know, and we, we in the, the media business, you know, there's the light side and the dark side. You know, uh, you, you leave journalism, the purity of journalism for public relations. And, you know, you've, you've crossed over to the dark side. And I said to him that I, uh, I've never really been on the, the dark side because everything I do and what we try to do in our business we, if it isn't journalism, a journalist is not even going to look at it, whether it's a pitch or a press release or whatever else. And, and so, so and, there, and, and I don't believe there's anything, despite what they teach in some of the courses in, in, in the Humber Colleges and the Saradins and other places, I don't believe there's PR writing. If it's not journalism, it's not journalism. Right. You know, there's all kinds of other writing, poetry, you know, um, novels, writing a novel is different. You know, again, I find myself, as I think I said to you, writing you know, I, I'm not writing an inverted, in an inverted pyramid journalism format, but I'm trying to be factual. And that's, that's the key. So I get the feeling you're going to write another one. Well, if, if, um, if we can sell a few of these, um, I, I already have a, a number of people that I've written about stuff just it's kind of sitting on the shelf. Boris uh, Brat, a Stephen Page. Uh, uh, there's a, um, Goodness, goodness, Colin Linden, Colin Linden, yep. Colin Linden, uh, 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 Ben, uh, Ben Minks. Uh, uh, there, there's, there's just, there's just so many, and you know, some Ralph don't. Uh, I did a piece on Corky Lang, the drummer, right, uh, out of Montreal. Um, could hardly find a comma that was Jewish in the connection, but, it, but it, there was a whole family tie to his mom. This was a guy when he was on the road, used to write almost weekly to his mom, wherever he was. And, and, and um, you know, I don't think he had a great relationship with his, with his father, but he certainly was connected with his mom. So, you know, and like Corky Lang, wow, a drummer, a drummer, a Jewish drummer, rock, rock guy. There's a guy by the name of um, Nick St. Nicholas. Who's Jewish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saint Nicholas. He was. He was. Um, he was uh, with Steppenwolf. It's and in the book. That's crazy because 
what kind of a Jewish name is Nick St. Nicholas? Well, <laughs> no, well, not a uh, Jewish word in there. Well, well, the um, um, I, I'm 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 hesitant to tell you his real name, but it was Nicholas, and and um, you have to read the book to get the rest. Oh, but the family that. were the family were um, came over after the Second World War, wow. and and they had no money. He, kids made fun of him at school because he wore lederhosen and 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 garb that was what yeah. kids wore and the family didn't have very much dough and um there's a whole connect to him and motorcycle clubs wow. and motorcycle gangs and ultimately how his life changed sort of you know after long after seven wolf um uh, how he literally went from you know the zenith to being really down and out and um and wound up in minneapolis minnesota and was rescued by a biker gang wow and because he had that kind of connectivity so there, there's there's stuff like that you know like and how did and how did i get to nick saint nicholas um one of the people on our team um his brother uh grew up with him in the west end of toronto crazy, crazy. yeah and, and 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 of course what did i say Gee, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, David, there's a lot that I now know that I didn't know. So uh, the name of the book is Under the Radar. David Eisenstadt is the author. They can get it on Amazon. Can they get it anywhere else? Indigo? Uh, right, right now, it's on all Amazon sites in both paperback. Can I show you the cover? Sure, of course. Of course. Yeah. This, is, this is the cover. Yeah. It should jump off. It should jump off the... Uh, the shelves, but we haven't yet. Uh, we've, we've just really done a soft launch. It was published on the 24th of November. So we're just kind of slowly getting the word out. And I'm appreciative of today's opportunity to talk about it with you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people sometimes can go into the local bookstore and order a book too, right? From the publisher. I guess, I guess the, what they really need is to say, do you have the book under the radar? The, 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 the sub moniker 30 notable Canadian Jewish musicians is key. And, and again, for me, the notion of 30, as we know in journalism means the end for me, 30 became the beginning uh, of, of this hobby. That's continues to be a lot of fun. Beautiful. I, under the radar by David Eisenstadt. He is founding partner of TCG public relations. Uh, I'm Ralph Benmergi. If you want to find out more about the stuff I'm doing, uh, go to my newly refurbished website, ralphbenmergi.ca. Take a, a, a shot at spelling the last name if you're listening on audio, but it's Spanish grammar, so it's a little weird. B-E-N-M-E-R-G-U-I, as in Guillermo, Guy, Benmergi. So ralphbenmergi.ca. Uh, my book is called I Thought He Was Dead. Uh, I've got a, uh, a retreat coming up, um, Aging to Saging Retreat. You can sign up for it on my website. And of course, you can listen to any of my podcasts or Not That Kind of Rabbi or from Yehubitzville on the cjn.ca. You take care of each other. We'll see you soon. And bye. Mm-hmm.